Welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast, the podcast about healthcare relating to courts, with your host Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician. Hello and welcome to the Forensic Chiropractor. The Forensic Chiropractor is a podcast about chiropractic relating to the courts. This podcast is about injuries that have the potential to go to court. I'm Jeff Clayton, chiropractic physician in Utah. I graduated University of Western States in 2012, and I'm a board-certified independent medical examiner for the American Board of Independent Medical Examiners. I have extensive postgraduate training through chiropractic and medical schools. You can see my CV at ime-utah.com, and I've performed over 500 IMEs for plaintiff and defense. Now, the last few podcasts have been about time-dating injuries with MRI. Today's podcast will not be specific to just MRI, but will be useful with CT and X-ray. Keep in mind that all methods for time-dating injuries just help paint a picture. Will all the evidence add up to show a new injury, or will the evidence stack up to show a pre-existing injury unrelated to recent trauma? Today, I want to go over two separate studies. The first study is... The Diagnostic Value of an X-Ray-Based Scoring System for Degeneration of the Cervical Spine, a Reproducibility and Validation Study. This study was published in the Pain Practice Journal in 2021 by Martin Van Erden et al. This study reports that there are five features seen on radiographs that are features of degeneration. Remember, degeneration takes months to be seen on imaging and years to develop and is not related to a new injury. The five features are disc height loss, anterior vertebral osteophytes, posterior vertebral osteophytes, vertebral end plate sclerosis, and uncovertebral osteoarthritis, or in other words, disc space height loss and bony changes. We talked about Wolf's Law and bony changes during our last podcast. Remember, Wolf's Law states that bones will adapt to the loads under which they are placed. Once we alter the function of a joint, we will change the loads on the bones and create bony changes seen on imaging six months to years later. Today, we will focus the podcast mostly on disc space loss. This can be seen on x-ray, CT, and MRI. The MRI is best to evaluate the discs, but disc space height loss can be seen on any of the images. Disc space height was measured in the middle of the disc, What they showed was the disc space should be roughly three times smaller than the vertebral body below the disc. They defined the vertebral height as measuring the posterior vertebrae. What a simple way to see if we have disc space loss. If we do have disc space loss, then we have one indicator that we are dealing with a degenerative and an older injury. If we have no disc space loss, then we have one more indicator that we are likely dealing with a new injury. This study did define how to assess for bony degenerative changes. They reported that if we are looking for anterior or posterior bone spurs, we should draw a line running down the lower anterior or posterior corners of C2 and the middle section of the vertebrae C3 through 7. If we have any bony outgrowth sticking out beyond the line, then we have degenerative changes that are indicators that there is pre-existing changes. 
End plate sclerosis is easy to see on an MRI and often has a type 3 modic change. But on x-rays and CT scans, the end plate sclerosis is there if we have broader or wider and irregular end plates. If we have this sclerosis, we know that the forces placed on the bone have changed and over time developed the bony changes and we are likely dealing with a pre-existing injury. The second study I want to go over today is the role of radiography in the study of spinal disorders published by Fernando Santiago et al. in the Quantitative Imaging and Medicine and Surgery Journal published in 2020. This study reported that 70% of spinal pain is classified as nonspecific, meaning the source cannot be identified. This nonspecific spinal pain was broken down into two categories. The first was strain-sprain injury of the soft tissues, and the second was mechanical back pain. They reported that these mechanical changes to the spine will lead over time to degenerative changes seen on imaging. They reported that with most injuries, x-rays are the initial diagnostic tool, but that often x-rays do not lead to any specific diagnosis, and MRI would be the next diagnostic exam. This study reported that there are features seen on imaging that help distinguish new versus old changes. These features are normal vertebral height and lack of bone spurs. This second study talked about what type of imaging to order with trauma. They say CT scans or x-rays should be the initial imaging after trauma unless we have neurological compromise or ligament injury, and then we should get MRIs. The use of MRI for ligament injury is not done in the spine, but more for extremities. They reported that flexion and extension x-rays are done to evaluate ligament injuries in the spine. They reported that ligament damage in the spine is seen with anywhere from 1 to 3.5 millimeter translation. This is consistent with our first few podcasts about ligament damage. This second study showed some features of an old injury as seen with osteochondrosis, which is characterized by narrowing of the disc space, central vacuum phenomenon, which is the collection of gas in the disc space, sclerosis or hardening of the vertebrae and osteophytes, or bone spurs in any direction. They went on to show that these degenerative changes showing an old injury are often asymptomatic in patients. This second study reported that degenerative discs or old injuries are associated with abnormalities including disc space, height loss, and bulging discs. These studies have shown us ways to look at imaging and help understand a new versus old injury. Most of this information we have gone over in past podcasts, but the loss of disc space, height, and how to measure is new. To reiterate, the loss of disc space height is a disc that is less than one-third the size of the vertebrae below the disc. These articles might not seem like headline news or earth-shattering information, but they do help with one more part of the puzzle of time-dating injuries with imaging. Now, for the real-world example. I had a patient with neck pain and radicular complaints. Examination showed that she likely had radiculopathy and an MRI was ordered. The MRI showed disc damage at three separate levels. Two of the levels showed loss of disc height with bone spurs. These two levels showed circumferential disc bulges 
with neural canal stenosis but no nerve root compression. She reported being in two prior motor vehicle collisions over the last 16 years. The MRI showed one level of disc herniation or a focal disc damage. As seen in today's study, she did not have disc space loss at this level. This was shown by measuring the middle of the disc and the posterior of the vertebrae. As long as the vertebrae is three times the disc space, then there is no loss of disc space. There was a focal protrusion type herniation with nerve root abutment, but no compression. There were very minimal bone spurs surrounding this disc. Now, if I'm adding all the evidence together, it becomes clear that we are dealing with a patient that has findings that likely came from her prior motor vehicle collision over the last 16 years. The two disc bulges with disc space height loss and bone spurs appear chronic and were not likely caused by the recent motor vehicle collision. Once findings like this show up on an MRI, the insurance companies often claim all findings in the cervical spine are pre-existing. Once this patient had two-level disc damage, the degenerative process will take over. The process will lead to circumferential disc bulges, bone spurs, and loss of disc space height. Over time, these changes will affect the function of her entire spine and can lead to bone spurs and other degenerative changes at other levels. We are likely seeing these changes at the other levels with mild bone spurring. The protrusion type disc herniation is much more likely than not new and caused by her recent motor vehicle collision. The herniation appears new given the focal herniation and no loss of disc space height. As seen in today's article and prior articles we have reviewed, once the disc is damaged, there will be over time a loss of disc space height and bone spurs. This can be objectively shown on imaging and makes a great contrast to the other two levels of disc bulges. On top of this evidence, it really helps to know that there is a new onset of pain and radicular pain following a traumatic event. The degenerative changes in her spine would have made her cervical spine prone to injury with less force. This information will allow the adjuster and attorneys to better understand the true value of her case. Hopefully today's study helps you understand how disc space height loss can help time date injuries with imaging. Keep in mind that this is just one more part of the picture and when time dating an injury, we need to look at all of our options. I will continue to share ways to time date injuries with MRI over the next few podcasts. Thanks for listening and please subscribe so you don't miss out on any more of the medical legal research. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Forensic Chiropractor Podcast. Dr. Clayton can be found online at ime-utah.com. Theme song is Three Fishers by the band Aggregate. Tide